1: I'm Dr. Gary, making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. Welcome again to Leading from the Front, Leadership is a Responsibility, Not a Position. I am very excited to introduce to you my fellow C-suite advisor and the program developer of Mastery Under Pressure and Tina Greenbaum is uh, a friend and what uh, she likes to call herself an optimal performance specialist and sports psychology consultant. I love that being in sports, uh, Tina, I uh, could probably have used you in college when I was breaking (laughs) rackets. So uh, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And and as a business coach, she calls herself a thera coach, which I'd never heard that before. Uh, A one word description of how you as a therapist, a licensed therapist and a business coach, help executives reach their fullest potential. And I like what you say. The only thing standing between me and my goals is me. So welcome.
2: Thank you. Thanks, Gary. Thanks for having me.
1: So let's give uh, the listeners a little bit of uh, background about Tina and how, uh, how you got started. And really, when was that moment in life when you said, you know, this is what I, this is what I want to be. This is what I want to do in life.
2: Well, from the time that I was very small, uh, people would come to me with their problems. I was always a helper and a fixer. And and when I was in college, my friends used to call me mother. And I said, I'm not your mother. I'm just your friend. But I have that. I always thought it was good common sense. I never knew it was a gift. Uh, but now that we have a name for it in terms of emotional intelligence, it seems to be that is the part of my personality and my characteristics that have taken me into a fabulous, fabulous career. So, I started out as a teacher of special ed. I was, and I went back and got my master's in social work because I wanted to be a psychotherapist. I wanted to get to the root of the problems that people had. And as a therapist, I have permission. I have permission to go places that the coachy part of me, or if I were just a coach would not have that same background or that same training. So I like to say I could go ACDC. I could go, um, whatever, it is that's going on. I, I can find the way to help pretty much. Yeah. Really
1: digging, really digging into the, the yeah. foundation, the root. Of,
2: exactly. Uh, people's the challenges. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The
1: root of their, of, of why I'm getting in my own way. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So uh with that education then what happened you went through all this education you got uh and you know when somebody calls you a mother at such a young age I what it strikes me is is uh wisdom it's wise it's people that look at you and say gee you've got a lot to offer me and I trust you
2: Yes yes and that has been my path I had a very very wise mother I was very very fortunate and I inherited her many of her abilities and much of her wisdom. A lot of times people say to me, how do you know that? It's like, I don't know, how do you not know it? It's like right in front of me. I just know. And so over the years, I've been able to build up that intuition. You know, good intuition is a really a great hunch, but without the knowledge, it's, it's just one piece. So the combination, I've, I've always been interested in how I help somebody change at a fundamental level because the body gets triggered before the mind gets triggered and so my whole path every course that I took every all the training that I had is how do I get under the conscious mind because the unconscious is where everything is laid down and it is really where we operate from and if you don't have that level of consciousness that level of awareness then you're up op- then it's it's got you instead of you having it
1: yeah, so we live an unconscious life, most of us, don't we?
2: Yes, yes, we do. Yes, and, we and do. And
1: those unconscious uh, assumptions, prejudices, beliefs, biases drive us to make decisions. And as leaders, we also work on that level of awareness to try to help people realize that situations are pushing them instead of them taking control of them. And leadership exactly. is about trying to take control of the situation. So what... What are some of the things that you've run into with clients that uh, um, you can help our listeners really understand some of the foundational things that typically get in our way?
2: So one of the things that's very true about people who are drawn to leadership, who have innate abilities to, to become a leader, because they, leaders see things before other people see them. They sort of get that landscape just the same way that people would say to me, how do you know? I don't know how I know. I just know. Or there's a situation that needs to be done. And I just, I don't know, I just get up and I do it. You know, people that I've been connected with at, at many different levels are now out there. You know, Jeffrey Hazlett is one of them. I have another colleague who's another one, you know, working internationally, getting masks and ventilators and, and all these things. So, that, so leaders see what needs to be done where they sometimes fall short is they get very frustrated very quickly that the people around them do not have that same ability. So it takes a tremendous amount of patience and self-knowledge and emotional intelligence and training to understand who you're working with, who you've got, who's really good at this, who's not going to be good at this. I was having a conversation with a friend yesterday, helping her with somebody that she is coaching, who is not He's just not moving. And so we spent a lot of time, I said, I want to understand his thinking process, like where he goes. She said, well, he does a lot of mind mapping. He, and then he goes on to explain and explain and explain. And so I could fear her frustration that she didn't know how to help him. So she may not be the person to help him, but really understanding how this guy thinks, you know, my sense of it is that, he doesn't really have that awareness that he doesn't get to the bottom line, that he gets lost in his thoughts. So and, it kind of ends up in an
1: unending loop of analysis, right? Sometimes. Right.
2: Paralysis of analysis, no action.
1: Right. So when you see a client that has that paralysis analysis, and we'll talk a little bit coming back to the, the leader's frustration. Um, and I think they're kind of connected because um, th- th- one of the abilities that great leaders have is to be able... To communicate multiple ways the same idea, the same exactly. thought, right? Exactly. And uh, when we get locked in, as uh, uh, I can remember from my past, this guy said, "If we get locked in, we lock out. We lock into a <laughs> certain way of thinking, certain way of communicating. We lock everything else out, and then." And ineffectively to blames the other person. for I was going to say you make that.
2: everybody else wrong, right? Right there you go.
1: <laughs> right. So all right, let's let's say I, I do that, and I can I can remember doing this as a as a younger leader. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, why don't they just get it? It's like right in yes. front of them. Here it is. Yes. H- how would you help me if I were to say that? And I said, look, I'm I'm just really frustrated. My direct reports they won't they won't get it.
2: So the first thing that I would train somebody to do is to be a really good listener. Mm. If you're not a good listener, you're already in some other place where the other person is some other place. <laughs> yep. And so you and I are communicating right now. You're asking me questions. I'm with you, and you're with me. We're tracking each other. Hmm. And so, as a good communicator, I always call myself. I'm a professional listener. Yes. I, yeah. I listen. And we listen with words, we listen with our body, we listen with our, you know, the tone that people give us. And then because I've highly trained myself through my own personal growth, my own personal level of awareness, I feel like sometimes I'm like a fine tooth instrument. There's not a lot that goes on that I don't pick up and I don't pick it up consciously. It's just like, it hits me.
1: Well, you have an innate talent for it because you did it from the time you were young. And, yes. and uh, a lot, talents pretty much can be worthless if you don't add education, training, experience, mentoring, coaching, and practice like you have. We talk about yes. this in leadership all the time. You've got to do all those things to take your talents to be excellent, to be really world-class, which you have done. So it, it, it went from being intuitive to a certain level to becoming conscious all the training and education and you probably saw, oh gosh, I I didn't know that. I didn't, I didn't realize that. Oh my goodness. Right. And now
2: (laughs) you cannot teach, you cannot give to a place that you haven't been.
1: Yeah. So you've come back to the, to the beginning and it's innate again, but it's with a foundation of all this experience and hard work and uh, leadership, really great leaders. It's the same thing, but they, they just seem to exude this confidence and this, uh, specially, of engaging others, so listening is a technique. Mm-hmm. The talent is your ability to be able to apply your your sense of emotional intelligence and all those things. Because um, leaders forget that the words are not the message. Right. The words are seven percent of the message.
2: At the same time, Gary, if we talk about communication and listening, there are yeah. skills. Yes. Again, you don't have to be innately brilliant. To recognize I was just talking to a client earlier, I could listen to a conversation and, and I 'm sure you could do the same thing in two seconds. I can tell you where it 's going to go south, why it 's gone south, and what that person would need to do in order to bring it back into a level of that we 're again relating mm. so mm. when people get short with other people, when you get frustrated, so people get your they get your energy, they get that. You know that that tension. They get your words, and what happens most frequently, and we kind of talked about that before, is people blame. You know, if you had only done this, and if you had only done that, you know, this wouldn't happen, and that wouldn't happen. Well, if I'm on the other end of that, what I'm going to do? I'm going to feel attacked, and I'm going to say, "No, it wasn't me. It wasn't you. It was you. You didn't make it clear enough. You did And there we are in this loop that people really need to understand it takes two people to create an argument all one person has to do is step out and just again take a breath and recognize okay what's going on here mm-hmm. and when you train yourself to do this over and over and over again it happens instantly it's like i get it mm. i'm feeling blamed i'm feeling attacked i'm i'm you know, i'm feeling controlled and then, how do I want
1: to respond? I like what Brene Brown says about blame, which is the expression of pain and discomfort. And when when you're throwing that blame out for the, because of the internal pain and discomfort, he it says it's the it's the inverse of accountability. Right. You see, I, I'm not I am no longer accountable for any problem with this. You are. I'm blaming you, and that is the antithesis of leadership.
2: Exactly. Leadership
1: is about taking I, – I was a commanding officer uh, at uh, 25 years old of an army unit, 120 soldiers, and only been in the military for – well, my dad was in the military, so I was in the military my whole life to that point, <laughs> right. right? And uh, it was very simple. You're responsible. The 120 soldiers, the more than $50 million in equipment, the, the compound that I was responsible mm-hmm. for, whatever happened, I was mm-hmm. responsible and I, could, I didn't get to blame anybody, but it, it became a mindset, right? Of accepting mm-hmm. responsibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, so on the other side of that, sometimes is accepting too much responsibility exactly. for someone else's behaviors That's or right. way of going about things and say, wow, well, you know, how did I contribute to that? Or is it my fault? Or So mm-hmm. it's really interesting. Is it my fault is simply a reverse way of blaming myself.
2: Right. So the way right. I like how to do, do we that, balance that, yeah. The way I like to do that is um, I always start with myself. Mm. I always start with me. What's my part? And once I have cleared me, and again, you can't clear yourself unless you know yourself. Yes. Unless you're absolutely, and I use the term, brutally honest with yourself. Mm. Okay. How did I get here? How did I get into this situation? What decisions did I make? All those kinds of things that we, okay, I cleared me. Actually, you know what? It wasn't me. I've cleared me and this person came at me from God, God, I don't know where. And I'm pretty sure I was pretty even when I, when they, when they came at me. So I'm not going to take responsibility for that. I may take responsibility for re communicating to that, to that person, if that's what I choose to do, but it's a boundary issue. And one of the, Things that people who are good-hearted people, and I, I'm sure at some point, you know, you've found yourself there. And most people that I know that are really, really good-hearted, they give too much.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then when you give too much, that result is resentment.
1: Yes.
2: So it's I call it my red flag of resentment. When I start to feel resentful, it usually means I want something more than you do and it's about you. <laughs> I want you to be better. I want you, you know, and I'm taking responsibility or I'm doing too much and you're not doing enough.
1: Well, that, so you make a good point. There's a couple of things that I wanted to highlight. Uh, first, clear me. You know, you, you said, you know, and I assess the situation and I understand what's going on. And then I look at it and I go, okay, I need to, as a leader, I need to clear myself. That That wasn't about me. They're having a challenge. And one of the things that we work on in in our leadership program with emotional intelligence, being socially aware and kind of looking Mm -hmm. at the person and saying, here's the statistic. 85% of all performance problems at work are because of things outside of work. Mm -hmm. So if I'm at work, there's a uh, 85% chance it's not me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's start with that statistic. Uh, That's pretty exciting. I'm I'm only got a 15% chance of it being me. Uh, So I look at that and go, okay, it's not me. They had an outburst or they had a challenge, they have a problem. And I can go to the person, I can say, what's going on? Because that didn't make sense Mm -hmm. in the interaction. What's going Mm on? And invariably, like I said, 85% of the time, you're going to find out it was something to go on with their family. They're not feeling well. They're tired. They're, uh, you know, you have drug abuse, you have, uh, you know, medication, you've got all kinds of health problems that people are struggling with every day that affect their psyche. And it had nothing to do with me. I am not that important in this world that every challenge that occurs is because of me. I'm not that important. (laughs) It's true. So um, that, that's a first clear me. I really like that. And I think that our listeners should pay attention to, to clearly understand it. I'll tell you the other thought that I had, Tina, was if I'm not sure, I have coaches and advisors that I can go to and I say, look, I need to talk this out Absolutely. and tell me what part of this was me that I'm not seeing. And I, I have my brother, you know, who will tell me the brutal truth. Right, okay? right. I have my wife who will tell me the brutal truth. And, uh, and you have friends. I mean, you've got friends that will just come out and say, dude, you know, you're messed up.
2: Absolutely. Right? And, and you bring up something that's so important because we do have our blind spots, mm. they're, they're blind spots and they're called blind spots for that reason. And the more, the greater level of awareness we have, the, the better we are, we are at, at kind of getting the vision and seeing what is, but we do have blind spots mm. and the unconscious, as I say, by its nature is unconscious. So the people around us who know us really well and are really honest with us are incredibly, incredibly important resources.
1: Yeah.
2: I always go to my brother, the same thing. Well, like, come on, what am I missing? What am I not seeing here? Those kinds of things. And be able to process this information with somebody, again, who who can give you back that really, really honest feedback and that you can take it. (laughs) Yeah. So
1: what do you think about this? I, uh, my son called me uh, a while back and he had a friend he was helping and you know how this goes. You just described it. Uh, He was starting to get uh, resentful of the help he was given. And he says, uh, it was an important person in his life. And he says, when do you stop helping somebody? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, that's easy. He said, well, (laughs) okay, (laughs) when is it? I said, when they stop helping themselves, when you're helping them more than they're helping themselves and they're not at least stepping up as much as you are, then you care more about the outcome than they do. Exactly. And exactly. I think that that's the point when you need to back off. Would you be my yes. therapy coach here right now? And- yes.
2: So the, so the way that I kind of would, again, look at that. Okay. Yeah. I'm having a problem with somebody. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm This resentment is happening. Now I have a couple choices. I can confront that person. In a, a you know in a in a way again that perhaps that they can hear it. This is what's going on for me when you do this. It always has to come from an I feel place mm. because nobody could argue with your feelings. This is what's happening for me now. If I have a relationship with that person and it's a good enough relationship that that person may most likely will take it in and do the work that I do you know, and not just blow me off.
0: Hmm.
2: And it's somebody that's really important to me in my life. I'm going to go and I'm going to confront that person. If if it's, if it's an ongoing thing, you know, if I, sometimes I'll blow it off, but Hey, it keeps coming back. keeps coming back. I got to deal with this. This relationship is going to go south again, if I don't, because I am resentful and I have enough invested in this relationship to share this with them. Mm -hmm. That's one scenario. Another scenario may be I, I want to confront this person, but hey, they're not going to listen. We've been through this so many times before. They're going to get defensive. They're not going to hear me. And I don't want to get hurt again. I don't want to be attacked. I don't want, I don't, so I may choose not to.
1: What do you do when somebody gets defensive? I mean, there's a situation where you want to take that chance. Even with somebody you care about, they, they defend themselves. How do you handle right?
2: that? So, okay. So again, the way that I deal with it is I'm telling you, Gary, something and you're, and you're giving me a hard time. I'm feeling your resistance. Okay. Internally, I'm feeling like what I'm saying ain't working. So again, it goes back to being my responsibility. What I'm doing is not working. Let me see if I can come in another way. Let me try it a little bit.
1: Different. So for leaders, this is a really good point because they deal with performance problems all the time and with uh, egos all the time. And yep. let's face it, uh, especially men, egos mm-hmm. that don't mm-hmm. want to admit that they made a mistake. We're uh, yep. socialized to be the alpha dog and, and you know, do it the right way. And when somebody comes to me and says, I'm doing something wrong, I'm going to immediately defend yeah. So what you're saying is, when they defend, uh, what leaders need to hear is that there's another way, and stop trying to convince them, okay, <laughs> of the of the situation, right? And as I always say, you can't solve an emotional problem with a logical solution. That's right. So what I heard you just say is, I feel that you know I might say at this point, I feel that you're not accepting this.
2: Not, well, again, now you're pointing it back on him.
1: Okay. So I, I'm I, good to help it's not me out.
2: Problem, okay. This is what's happening for me. When I, when I say this to you, I say it to you and this is what I'm experiencing. This is what I'm noticing. So the it experience
1: always- is their, their, their statement back to you.
2: Right. So okay. in other words, if you, if I said, Gary, you know, okay. you got to do it this way and you say, Tina, blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah,
1: I'm not going to do it that way. Yeah.
2: yeah. I'm not going to do it that way. So I'm already feeling again, I'm very connected to my body. So I'm very connected to like, what's happening inside of me.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm
2: starting to tense up.
0: Yeah.
2: As I'm listening to you. Yeah. And again, I have this level of awareness that what I'm doing is not working. Yeah. So I might say to you, Gary, I hear what you're saying. I really do. And this is what's happening for me. I care so much about what you're doing. I care so much about you. It doesn't have to be that, you know, but um, this is just really, really, really important for me that you get this. Let's just try it another way. What's going on with you? When I say this, what's happening with you? Hmm. So what we're doing is in this short little scenario, the leader has to have enough awareness of him, him or herself so that they are above the situation as soon as you get into a,
1: so simply, and I'm trying to simplify this for us, uh, non-therapeutic leaders, right. That really, they say, "Uh, well, Tina, um, I can see that didn't work. I'm trying to achieve this goal and that didn't work. Let me try a different approach.
2: Yeah, exactly. Right yeah
1: so it's all about the way I'm communicating, what I'm saying, how I'm saying it, what I'm presenting. but that's right. I also think that connecting each other to a goal or an outcome that we are invested in yeah. for leaders is an important part of that, that absolutely
2: sense? absolutely. And I think yeah. the other thing that's really important to to in this whole discussion, you know mindfulness is a big word now. people are kind of throwing it around and and it's ancient. As you and I know, this yes. is from ancient, ancient traditions, mindfulness. And the definition of it is being aware in the present moment without judgment,
0: okay. without
2: judgment. Right? So if I'm back in this scenario and you're saying, well, I, you know, this doesn't mean anything to me. I can't do it that way. I want to go to what am I noticing? Okay. I just notice.
1: Just so you notice the behavior, or you notice the. Phrase, I notice the behavior. Notice, I
2: notice, right. I notice what's going on for me. I'm getting frustrated. I notice what's going on for him. He's not taking me in. Now, I'm I'm removed enough from the situation that I have that third eye that witness. You know yeah. that I can witness what's happening. Now I can make again another better decision about my response that I might be able to move it forward. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite things that I say to somebody when when I, I've gone around and around and around with somebody, it's like, I know how to help you, and you're tying my hands behind my back. Yep. Which just makes me helpless.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I like your definition of, uh, of mindfulness, and it's there's a lot of pieces that we could really spend time unpacking. We've talked about awareness, present moment the cure, if you will, or the antidote quite often for a lack of mindfulness is, is meditation or deep mm-hmm. prayer or silence. It's mental silence.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: we, we teach that in our leadership programs to try to get people to, to stop traveling. They're traveling into other aspects of their life instead of being right here. So awareness, present moment, it's being here, being mm-hmm. here. It's being here, right? You know, how else can you say that, right? It's being here, uh, right now. Uh, and so often in our life, we're thinking of the past, we're thinking of the future. I, uh, I love uh, uh, in, in present conditions with some of the struggles we're under right now. Admiral Stockdale uh, talked about um, the optimists not making mm-hmm. it out of the POW camps because they would set a deadline. Um, and what we're struggling with now with this uh, virus is people are trying to set deadlines. And that's exactly what we don't need. What we need is a faith with each other that knows that we're in the present moment. We're going to get through this. We're going to get through it together. And eventually we will be out of it. We don't know exactly when, mm-hmm. right?
2: That's exactly right.
1: So I, I love this and without judgment. So it's an you know, awareness, present moment, no judgment. And that takes some practice, doesn't it?
2: It does. It is a practice. And again, when we talk about... These kinds of practices, these mental practices and emotional practices, we're building new neural pathways. And you and I talked a little bit before about belief systems and things that are tracked in our nervous system and our brains and our bodies from early, early, early on. And so that being on automatic, that's exactly what it means. You say this, I say that. You say this, I say that. So to become aware, oh, I say that and I want to change it requires Work requires awareness. It requires catching yourself again. It requires making a decision that I want to do it differently. I always use the statement when I was learning all this stuff and really working on changing a lot of the ways that I interacted and communicated and wonderful saying, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always gotten. Mm -hmm. So why not try something different?
1: Yeah.
2: And so just that try something different because If you've done it so many times in this relationship and it just keeps showing up, showing. all all I have to do is something different. I don't even know what it is.
1: That's right. (laughs) But
2: just let me try it another way. And then we find something. Wow, I did it this way, and that person responded differently. Oh, now I'm on to something. And it just used to fascinate me. It's like, oh, my God, all I needed to do was switch this and that, and I'd get a completely different response. Whoa.
1: So I think think the challenge – in, in that and again we we work with that a lot with leaders in in what you're talking about with triggers okay triggers occur mm-hmm. and we show up in a way that uh quite often people always talk about negative triggers but there's positive triggers too i mean we have mm-hmm. I mean, when i'm driving home and i get to the front door and christy's waiting for me at the front door and with a smile on her face and hands me a beer that's a positive trigger yeah,
0: I'm, I'm absolutely. <laughs> Good, right?
1: so there's positive triggers we see people's face there's smile we have but the negative triggers which get in our way in life, uh, one of the things, and you're talking about, I just, I just needed to try a different way. Mm-hmm. If we can be aware mm-hmm. of something that's not working for us, I try to tell people, stop trying so hard to come up with new options. Just mm-hmm. ask for help. Mm-hmm. You go. I go to my brother. I go to my wife. I go to my my friends. You want to ask somebody to help you stop doing something that is really great. Talk to an enemy, man. They'll tell you how to do things <laughs> in the complete opposite way and try to screw your life right. up. You go, well, I can avoid that. But the idea is to use our our uh, those around us that can Absolutely. be coaches and mentors every single day to help us out because you've really, what do they say? Uh, a problem defined is, is you know, half, half solved or 90% mm-hmm. solved. I don't know what That's the percentage right. is, but it's a lot. It's a lot. If we don't know the solution, well, we can... I, I got an idea. Let's ask Tina. That's what we can do. We can ask Tina. And and uh, and that's what you do to help people, yeah. right? Is you help them come up with new solutions.
2: Yeah. I do. I do. And I love doing it. I've been doing it for 37 years, Gary, and I love it just more and more and more. Because once you, I, I think it's like, I think of these, the self-knowledge as it's like, that's where your power is it's it's like this toolbox that you have that at any moment even with these moments in this coronavirus i'm so grateful every single day that i have the skills to be able to manage myself mm-hmm. and then if i can manage myself i can help other people manage you know manage them themselves yeah. and th- it's it's like it's this arsenal of 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 personal power that is so potent and it makes life fun and passionate and the, you know, emotions just are all over the place. And now, especially I, I think of it as like riding the wave, being able to get through these, you know, these incredible times of uncertainty and trying to make decisions when you don't have the data to make it. It's, 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 but recognizing exactly where your thoughts are going. And, and being, I have, I have a thing I I say all the time in in my work, in my program, it's do your thoughts produce something useful rather than positive thinking, which I think of sometimes, you know, Oh, everything's great. No, it's not, (laughs) you know, but do my thoughts produce something useful and to become honestly really kind of so disciplined with your mind because our thoughts, you know, we create our own reality with our thoughts. And so if we want to kind of work on how do we get through this and keep coming back and do my thoughts, take me to this place that resilient people have certain language that they use. It is a a language of optimism. It is a language of hope. It is a language of possibilities. And if we find ourselves, which we all do in these times, you know, the fear kind of coming up and, oh, is my family safe? And, you know, I've got people to take care of. I've got employees, you know, all these things that we have this responsibility. It's like, okay, so what can I do with these thoughts to make them useful? How, how can I take care of my family? How can I take, what can I do? Yes. There's a lot of things right now that we can't do, but what can I do?
1: Right, right. I uh, told the story about W. Mitchell on Tuesday morning, 7.30. I do a, a half an hour uh, a webinar for everybody to help us get through some of this stuff. And I talked about W. Mitchell. And when he was um, paralyzed and trying to struggle through that, the story he told us, the guy that rolled up to him in his wheelchair as a fellow uh, paraplegic. And he said to him, you know what, Mitchell, There's a there's a thousand things I can't do now that I used to be able to do. And there's 9,000 things that I can still do. You can either focus on the thousand things you can't, or the nine thousand things you can. And to your point, um, there's people out there that really give us that message that remind us of mm-hmm. the of the the strength and the wealth and the possibilities of the future. And we have all of that in this country. So yeah, um, we do. Thanks we for do. that message. Appreciate that. Yeah. Well, Tina, I I think uh, we need to bring this to an end. Unfortunately, we could talk for hours we and uh, try to help <laughs> uh, a lot of people. <laughs> But uh, I, learned, I learned several things today that uh, I just wanted to reinforce. And in leadership, we do this a lot where we people have the same thing. We talk about listening, listening, listening. And it goes back to habit five of the seven habits, highly effective people. One of my mentors, Stephen Covey, seek first to understand before being understood. And it just mm-hmm. has so much power even today. And then uh, first, clear me. When we get into a situation, that just doesn't make sense. First of all, try not to judge or blame anything and and just understand where the challenges are and as i mentioned you know most of the time it's not about me it's about some struggle the other person is going to and by going to them and understanding we might be able to help them so and then the mindfulness your definition uh, is the best definition i've heard is being aware in the moment Mm -hmm. without judgment and i love that and i think our our listeners can certainly learn something from that phrase and see if they can over the next, oh, I don't know, what, 30 or 40 years, become a little more mindful?
2: <laughs> Every day. Every, Every day. day. Every, Every day. day. Well, that's where the meditation comes in, in that quiet time, when we start noticing things about ourselves, and that capacity just grows. Yeah, it
1: does. Tina, thank you so much uh, for uh, being with me and uh, and our guests and explaining some of your your practices under Mastery Under Pressure. Uh, how do how do people get a hold of you, Tina? Do you have a website or something they could uh, reach out I to? I do. You?
2: I have a a website, it's masteryunderpressure.com.
1: Well, there you go. <laughs> there you go.
2: And an email that's Tina at masteryunderpressure.com.
1: Well, there you go. At easy to find, masteryunderpressure.com. That's great. And
2: I also have a book. You know what it's called?
1: Um, I'm gonna guess. hold on a second. <laughs> Mastery under pressure.
2: You got it. Awesome. <laughs> I I'm a quick study. <laughs> we want to make it easy.
1: Well, Tina, thanks so much for being with me. I appreciate thanks, Gary. it. Gary,
2: Thank you for having me.
1: I am Dr. Gary, making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. And this is Leading from the Front. Thank you.
0: Thanks for being with us on Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about the work Dr. Gary is doing, visit statarius.com, S-T-A-T-A-R-I-U-S.com. Music for Leading from the Front is provided by Peter Katz. For more of his music, visit peterkatz.com.